So tonight is week number three of Him Plus Her. And this is actually our very last week of the service, and we thought that we would end things with a bang. So what we're doing tonight uh, is pretty special for a few reasons. First of all, Usually what happens on a Wednesday night is that I, uh, I come up here and then I talk about whatever I want to talk about and then hopefully it's what you care about and then that's it. But tonight we're actually answering your questions. So you submitted questions to ask.fm, uh, him, her questions, and tonight we are actually going to have those questions up on the screen and we're going to answer those. But the real reason that tonight is special is because I am not the only one that's going to be answering those questions. So tonight, uh, my beautiful and incredible wife, Catherine, is going to be joining me on stage, which is going to be awesome. So let's do this. Let's give Catherine a big, warm H12 welcome as she comes out on stage. It's awesome. That's awesome. I... Uh, this is, this is pretty cool. We don't uh, often get a chance to do this, and by we don't often get a chance to do this, I mean we've never done this. Uh, so this is, a, this is a pretty neat thing. Thank you so much for joining us. This is really, really exciting. Some of you know this. Uh, Catherine and I have been married for about seven and a half years. Uh, we've known each other for almost 10 years, which is crazy. Uh, and uh, what that means is Catherine knows a lot of embarrassing stories about me. Like a lot. And so I thought that it would be fun uh, if, if you could tell them just a, just a few embarrassing stories about me from our dating relationship. Nothing too embarrassing, but just like moderately embarrassing. Yeah, totally. Can I think I that? can do that. I have, okay, here we go. I have several to choose from. Um, I'm a little I think, offended. Yeah. It's okay. That's fine. JK. Um, so obviously we went to UGA. That's where we met. And uh, of course, go dogs. And we would go to um, all the Georgia home football games. Um, and so at the beginning of all the football games, the band would play the national anthem, like the Star Spangled Banner. And everyone in the stadium would stand up and, you know, put, put their hand on their heart. And, um, you know, it was a very, like, American, patriotic thing. And everyone's sings along and, you know, most people are taking it pretty seriously. Um, well, Stephen would try to sing as loud as possible, purposely in the wrong key, like hitting all the wrong notes. Um, but on top of that, he actually tried to sound like a woman, like an old woman from New York. Um, and it was just like horrifying. What, it, what does that sound like exactly? Oh, oh my gosh. You, um, what, yeah, yeah, what, what, uh, give, give them a taste. I can give you a little taste. It's really rough and embarrassing for me. Um, okay, here goes. And the rocket's red glare. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was so rough. It was awesome. Uh, right? I'm embarrassed. It's so good. That's exactly the reaction I had when he would do it, because, like, <laughs> everyone around us could hear him and, like, would turn and look, and I would just, like, hide my face. Oh, my gosh. It's pretty awesome. Um, I actually have one more, if you're, if you're open to that. <sighs> okay. Um, she has a lot, but, okay, just one more. Just okay, one more. just one more. Um, we, you know, when we were dating, we would go to, like, birthday parties or holiday parties with our friends, and sometimes they were, like, costume parties where you would dress up. Um, so one time, he and his friends were celebrating Cinco de Mustache, which is Cinco de Mayo. Um, so, you know, they, like, grow their facial hair into a mustache and go celebrate and, like, go to a Mexican restaurant. Um, this one time, um, he had actually previously had a really long goatee, like it, you know, extended like really far below his chin. Um, so when he 
shaved it into a mustache, like he shaved off the middle, and all that was left was like the grossest, longest handlebar mustache you have ever seen. Um, but on top of that, he actually dressed just so creepy. Um, he was uh, he was wearing white pants and a white button-down shirt, but like the top three buttons were open because you know, flash a little chest hair, um, and like his hair was greased back. Like he literally looked just disgusting. Um, I think we. I'm sorry. I think we actually have a picture of it. If you guys want to see it, that's my husband. That is. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. That's a that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And the fact that she is, the fact that she's still with me today, like at that point I knew she's the one. You know what I'm saying? Like if she's gonna stay with me, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So we can please let's let's not have that on the screen anymore. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> that's like that's like one of those things you can't unsee. You know, you're gonna wake up in the middle of the night tonight and be like, no. Uh, Sonia is pretty terrible. Now, uh, obviously, there's she could go on and on about embarrassing stories uh, about me, and I'm sure that you'd love to hear them. But we have a lot of questions that we want to make sure that we get to. And uh, again, like we mentioned before, you actually submitted these questions on ask.fm slash him, her questions. And so we want to uh, answer those uh, right now. So let's go ahead. This is going to be the first one. By the way, on your notes, there's no like official questions or fill in the blanks. So uh, feel free, if, if any of these questions apply to you, then you can go ahead and write them down. Uh, if, if, if you hear any uh, nuggets of wisdom, then they most likely came from Catherine, so you should write those down too. Um, so here's the first one. What age do you think is a good age to start a relationship? What age do you think is a good age to start a relationship? Um, so to kind of frame this question, um, this question is actually not answered in Scripture. In other words, there's no like, you know, there's no definitive, like this verse says you have to be 25 or this verse says you have to be 15. There's, there's, there's none of that. So, so that means it's kind of open to interpretation. But there are other verses in scripture that obviously talk about relationships. And like we talked about last week, um, we mentioned that you want to make sure that you wait for the person that fills out those qualifications. Remember that? Like, like you wrote down the list of qualifications. By the way, if you weren't here last week, I would love for you to check it out. You can listen to it on our um on our podcast, but, but you write down the list of qualifications that you believe God is leading you to, and then don't just jump into a relationship, like wait for that person. And so again, that doesn't quite answer the question, but um, at least gives you some guidelines. So whether you're 20 or whether you're 30 or whether you're 15, if the guy or the girl isn't the person that you know God is asking you to wait for, then don't date them, no matter how old you are. But the other thing that um, kind of goes into this, uh, and you're not going to like me for this, but parents are going to love me for this, and this is true. You need to have this conversation with your parents. Uh, meaning, meaning, if your parents say you have to be 16, then that means you have to be 16. If your parents say you have to be 14, then 14. If it's like you're not until you get to college, then you need to, here's, here's what you need to do, and you're not going to like me for this, but you need to honor whatever they say. Okay, you need to, um, this is something that God very clearly lays out. In fact, he says, if you want to have a really long life, listen to your parents, like honor your father uh, and mother. Yeah, I actually had that conversation with my parents um, in, you know, in my teenage years. And their rule for me was that I was not allowed to date till I was 16. Um, so I honored that. I respected that. And I didn't date until 16. Um, and then, and then just kind of one last thing on that. Uh, don't. Don't expect God to honor your relationship if you're not going to honor your parents. 
So um, it's kind of it's kind of silly for us to pray like, God, would you bless this relationship? God, would you do this? While all the while you're you're disobeying your parents. Uh, and so if that's something that you want, like if you want God to bless your marriage, uh, uh, your marriage and also your relationships, um, then then I would say lean into the authority that God has actually God has actually placed over you. So okay, next question, next question. And this came in like this, so I'm going to read it like it came in. How do I get a boy to like me? Okay, there it is. How do I get a boy to like me? Uh, I'm not qualified to answer this question, so I'm going to pass it off to my lovely wife, Catherine. I can't answer. Um, I myself honestly asked the same question um, in high school because I had the same desire. And um, in high school, the way that I answered this was by... um, dressing immodestly and flirting. And I quickly realized that that attracts the wrong kind of guys. Um, So for me, it just wasn't worth it. Um, Shortly after high school, um, I realized that, you know, how can I get a guy to like me is really not the best question to ask. Um, The better question is, how can I become the woman that God is creating me to be um, for the man that God has for me in the future? Um, Because if your goal is just to get a guy to like you, then you're potentially going to like change your behavior, change the way that you talk and act and dress. Um, You're going to change yourself all just for the sake of getting a guy's attention. Um, And number one, if that actually works and you do get a guy to like you, um, eventually he's going to see through it because you can only put on a show for so long. Like... um, you know, your relationship is not going to succeed if one or both of you are being fake. Um, but number two, if you do choose that route and, and kind of change yourself to get a guy to like you, you're potentially going to make decisions that put you on a path away from um, the incredible future that God has for you. Because God really does want to give you um, an incredible husband, like a man that you're very attracted to and that you deeply love. Like God has that in store for you. He wants to give you an incredible marriage. But if you are not growing into an incredible woman, then how are you going to get an incredible guy? Um, So I think the the best thing is to be real, be genuine, be honest, be confident in the woman that God has made you, because that is what's going to lead to the best relationship in the future. That is so good. Um, and uh, when we met, when we met, um, you know, we were in college. Uh, when we met, she was not dressing modestly, uh, nor was she flirting with me or any other guys. Like, at all, okay, and um, I mean, I don't want to like, like there was a time before we dated that that you liked me, right? Yes, yeah, but I just didn't show it. So she didn't show it at all, and so literally, you know, a few weeks ago when I talked about our first date and me asking her on the first date, because she didn't flirt with me, which by the way was like terrible, like you know, when you're a guy, you kind of bank on those things. Like if she's not flirting with me, she doesn't like me. So I was kind of banking on that, and the fact that she didn't flirt with me, I literally had no idea. Like when I asked her on a date, I kind of thought she was going to say no because she didn't flirt with me at all. But that was actually, that was like one of the things that actually attracted me to Catherine um, was, was, was her confidence in herself. Because uh, girls, you may not know this. Guys, you may have never like said this before. Um, but guys can smell desperate. And so when a girl is like desperate for a guy, any guy, a guy can sense that. 
And the wrong guys are going to chase desperate. And the right guys are going to chase confident. And so even though she wasn't flirting with me and I had no idea if she actually liked me, that made me more attracted to her because of her confidence and who she was as a woman um, who was chasing after the Lord. So I'm telling you, man, that matters. Um, guy, like, guys can smell desperate, um, but we can also spot confidence. Uh, and that, I think that matters. I think it matters. Okay, um, next question. This is fun. You ready? Here we go. Is abstinence the right choice, or is it okay to not wait for sex, in case you're wondering what the rest of the, for sex is what they're talking about? Okay, uh, can we actually do the next question, uh, too? Is hooking up with people against the Bible? Hooking up is in having sex. So, really, the, the big idea is this. Uh, Steve, tell me it's okay to have sex, right? Like, it's cool, right? Like, we can... We can do that. Um, hey, it's okay. We're going to talk about sex for a little bit. So if you're uncomfortable now, then just wait. Um, we've actually got some diagrams for you. I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. We're not. Don't worry. We're fine. All the leaders were like, oh, I don't know if I should be in H12 anymore. Um, okay, so let's talk about sex for a little bit. Uh, and I mentioned this a little while ago, and uh, maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't. Um, God is the one who, like, created sex. Like, sex, regardless of what you've heard, was actually his idea, okay? God was not surprised by it. Like, when, when you know, the first two people, Adam and Eve, when they had sex, God wasn't like, I didn't know that was going to feel good. Like, he knew it, okay? He made it to feel good. God actually, it, you can laugh, by the way. It's okay. I know we're in church and we're talking about sex, and that's kind of weird. But um, God is actually the one that authored sex. Like, he thought of it. It was his idea. And, and you got to get this. God made sex really good, like really good. And if you don't believe me, ask one of your life group leaders, and they'll tell you all about it, okay? I'm just kidding. But, but, seriously, God actually, God's the one that designed sex. It was, it was his idea. He's the one that made it good, and, and you got to get this, God made it good, really good, in the context of marriage. Never outside of the context of marriage, but always in the context of marriage. That was his idea. That was his thought. That was his design. Uh, in fact, this is a, this is a verse from Genesis um, where we kind of get a glimpse into that. Genesis 2.24. Some of you have heard this before. It says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united. Okay, that's biblical word for sex. Uh, united to his wife. Okay, a man is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And this is huge. This part right here is huge. They become one flesh. In other words, sex is like super glue, okay? Sex is like super glue. Super glue takes two things and then sticks them together for the rest of their lives. That's the way, that's the way super glue works, right? Sex is the exact same way. Sex takes a man and a woman and sticks them together for the rest of their lives. And listen, in the, in the context like, like in the right context, sex, just like super glue, is a really incredible thing. So if you've got like a, you know, a broken plate or you've got a broken cup and you use super glue to glue it back together, then it's awesome, right? It works great and it actually does what it was designed to do. But if you were to take uh, your iPhone and you were to super glue it to the wall, that is not a good thing. 
Not at all. And in addition to it being really bad, the only way to actually like get your iPhone back is to rip it off the wall. And when you rip it off the wall, you have a broken wall. And then to actually get the pieces of wall off the phone, you have a broken phone. Okay, so outside of the context in which it's supposed to be uh, used, it's actually a really dangerous thing, a really bad thing, and you end up with a broken phone and a broken wall. And sex, outside of the right context, is also a very dangerous thing. And if you do that, you end up with a broken guy and a broken girl. And they will be broken emotionally, they will be broken physically, they'll be broken spiritually. And it's not because sex is a bad thing. No, sex is a really good thing, but in the right context. In the right context, it's an incredible thing. Um, sex, sex is also like a fire. Some of you have heard me say this before. A fire in your fireplace brings warmth and it brings comfort, right? But then when a fire leaps outside of the context of your fireplace, it brings devastation and destruction. And so context is everything, God made sex, and sex is a crazy powerful thing. I, I, uh, unfortunately, I hear a lot of students and also a lot of adults, uh, adults that are saying, like, 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 like sex is, like, like, it's just sex, right? Like, it's just physical. Like, that's all it is. If that were true, if that were true, then why is it that um, so many times when people have sex and then break up, it leads to, like, broken hearts and depression? Why is that? I mean, if it's just physical, Right? Like, why is it that, that, that when, when your parents have sex with other people besides the person they're married to, it causes broken families? It's because sex is a powerful thing, and it is not, it is not just physical. It's a crazy, crazy powerful thing. Okay, so, um, yeah, did I? Can I, can I add to yeah, that yeah. just real quick? So, thanks. <laughs> yeah. To officially kind of answer the question, um, yes, God designed sex just for um, inside marriage. So abstinence before marriage is absolutely the way to go because that actually leads to a better marriage than if you choose not to wait. Um, saving sex for marriage leads to more trust, more honesty, deeper intimacy in marriage. And that, you know, those are the important things that like the relationship is based on. So the way that God laid it out, the way that God designed it for us is really actually like the best possible outcome for us. It is for our benefit. It's for our enjoyment. Um, so the hard work now pays off. Like I promise it is worth the wait. Um, you know, God has been so kind, um, to us in the marriage that he's given us. Um, we have an incredible marriage. And if, if that's something that you hope for, that you strive for in the future, um, then make the wise, godly decisions now as a teenager. And that's how you get here. That's so good. Um, also, the verse after this, Genesis 2.25, is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. It says that um, it says Adam and his wife were both naked and without shame. And, you know, any verse where two people are naked I think is awesome. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> again, you got to relax. It's okay. I know we're talking about sex. But, um, but that, that, that's a really, really good thing. Uh, the thing I love about that verse, though, is the last little phrase. It says they were both naked and felt no shame. And see, that, that is why sex inside of marriage is so good, because the, the things that normally follow sex outside of marriage, shame, depression, broken hearts, broken families, see, those things don't happen when it's inside the context 
inside the context of marriage. And it's outlined for us in the verse right after this, saying they were both naked and yet they felt absolutely no shame. Okay, so um, yeah, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next question. Uh, is it okay to have sex if you love each other, but you aren't married? Okay, so a similar question, but a little different. Like, no, 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 it's not some random person. I'm not just trying to hook up, right? Like, it, it's, this is someone that I love. We're just not married yet, but I love them. Um, I would argue, uh, and you may not agree, but I would argue that you don't really know what love is. And you may think you do, and, and, and that's good because I remember um, when I was a student, when I was a teenager, um, I, thought, I thought I knew what love was. Um, then I read this story uh, about a guy named Jacob, and this, this is pretty crazy. There was a guy named Jacob who uh, loved, uh, like Scripture says, he actually loved this woman, Rachel. And he loved her so much that he did something crazy. He worked for Rachel's dad for seven years. So for seven years, before ever touching her, before ever kissing her, before ever saying I love you to her, before ever like even being in a conversation, he worked for seven years. In fact, this is, um, I think we have the verse, yeah. Genesis twenty nine twenty says, so Jacob served seven years, seven years to get Rachel. And this is so cool. This is, it, it says, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. See, he was willing to work and to wait because of his love for her. And so I think if you actually love her, um, you'll wait. If you actually, I mean, after all, the very first week we talked about the fact that God's calling us to just, you know, to not only look for the right person, but be the right person. And the very first characteristic that Paul actually lays out, he says, love is patient, right? Love waits, love waits. So if you actually love her, like you claim you love her, then you'll wait. And I'll add to that, um, if you know you're going to marry the girl, um, then just go ahead and get married. But if you're not ready for marriage, then you're definitely not ready for sex. And to clarify, you're not ready for marriage, okay? Um, <laughs> I just want to make sure we're all clear on that. Correct. Uh, that, like, you're not, okay? Uh, unless you've got, like, a full-time job and all that stuff, but... Um, uh, you don't. Okay, so uh, next next question. What is going too far in a relationship centered around God? This is good. So so here's here's kind of the big idea. We've we've talked about the fact that sex outside of the context of marriage um, is is a sin. It's gonna it's gonna uh, be the opposite of intimacy later when you're actually married. And then this says, okay, so if having sex outside of marriage is a sin, then like how? How, how close can I get to that line um, before, before actually sinning or before, you know, actually kind of going too far? And uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if this is the, if this is the best question. Like, I don't think the, I don't think the right question is how close can I get to sin um, when, when after all sin is something that brings devastation. Uh, I think a better question is like, how fast can I chase purity? Like, how, how much can I run uh, right after purity. So here's what it looked like for uh, for Catherine and I. When we were uh, when we were dating, we set up like guardrails. Um, have you guys ever been driving on like the side of a mountain before? When you got the mountain on one side and then like the sheer abyss and a cliff like on the other. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you guys ever? Um, between you and the abyss is a guardrail. 
right? And the whole idea of a guardrail is you don't want to ever use them, but they're there so that if you accidentally bump into them, like you're still alive. Because if they're not there and there's no guardrail, then you don't really know how, how like close you can get. And then before you know it, your car is kind of off, off the edge of a cliff. So the whole idea of a guardrail is it keeps you from the danger zone, which is, which is that abyss. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but guardrails are not placed on the danger zone. Right? Like, like if, this is, if, if the cliff is right here, the guardrail does not go right here. It goes right here. Because after all, if you bump into the guardrail, you don't want to immediately go off the cliff. You want to make sure you've got a bit of cushion between the guardrail and the actual danger zone. So the whole idea of guardrails is that you actually place these guardrails before, well before you actually get to the area of sin or temptation. And so what Catherine and I did, you may think it's ridiculous, and you might think, oh my gosh, why would, like, like, I can't believe that you actually enforce these things. But the reason that we did them is not because we thought those were necessarily the danger zones, but because we knew that that would lead to the danger zone. And so we kept the guardrail further, um, further back. Do you want to tell them what some of the, yes, some of the guardrails were? Yeah. Um, uh, so we, we basically said, um, no further than kissing, um, nothing more than kissing. Um, we said, you know, keep all clothes on, um, fully fastened, fully buttoned, all clothes on at all times. Um, but okay. Uh, sorry, back to the kissing thing, just to make sure, uh, you guys know the baseball analogy, like the bad one that I'm not supposed to know, you know, like first base, second base, third base, just to clarify, that means, like, first base is where it ends, okay? That was the guardrail, was like, you got to first, awesome, that's it. Um, and uh, by the way, when you're married, the rest of the bases are all fair game, so that's awesome. Um, but anyways, only first base. That was the thing, okay, sorry. You're good. Um, another one was we said, you know, watch watch your hands, like your hands should not be um, underneath each other's clothes. Um, speaking of hands, you can hold hands, but that's about all your hands should be doing. Um, we said uh, no lying down together. Um, even if it's not on a bed, just the like, you know, the physical act of being laid down together um, can be a temptation in itself. Um, we set up a few off-limits areas. Um, we said no chest, no butt, and no crotch. There it is. The end. Okay. I hope that was clear for you. Um, and again, you might think, oh my gosh, like that is so, that's so strict. But here's the crazy thing. When all of your clothes are on, and you're not laying down together, and your hands are where they should be, it's like kind of impossible to have sex. It's pretty crazy. Um, but, but if you draw the line and say, the line is sex, and I'm not going to have sex, but everything up to that is fair game, then when you're lying down together naked, and you've already gone a little further than maybe you should, saying no to sex is nearly impossible. It is. And so when you set up these guardrails, even though they seem ridiculous, they keep you from what you know um, is, the actual, is the actual danger zone. Awesome. Okay, next, uh, next question. How do you guard your heart? And we talked about guarding your heart last week. Uh, how do you guard your heart while you are dating? I can tackle that one. Awesome. 
Um, obviously, like we just said, we um, limited how far we went physically because what you do physically really is tied to your heart, like tied to your emotions, especially for girls. Um, so a great way to guard your heart is to guard how far you go physically. Um, another thing that we chose to do was actually not say I love you to each other until we knew we would get married, as in like when we got engaged. Um, so the very first time um, I heard Steven say I love you was when he was proposing. And we, we did that because we felt like the words I love you are special and sacred and we wanted to we wanted to reserve that for only our future spouse. And so that was um, really special when he proposed. Um, another example is like we didn't spend every waking moment together. Um, we hung out with friends and maintained like a level of individuality. We weren't um, totally like consumed by the other person, wrapped up in the other person and and only spending time, just the two of us, because that honestly is not healthy in dating, and that's, you know, not a great way to guard your heart, so those are just a few. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, okay, next question. Let's see the next question. Um, how do you know when he or she is the one? How do you know when he or she is the one? Um, this is a great question, and I... I don't know if I necessarily know the answer. I'll just tell you how I knew uh, how I knew Catherine was the one. Um, pretty early on in dating, I was talking to a mentor of mine, and we were kind of talking about uh, marriage. And he told me to ask myself this question, and this this really helped. Um, he said instead of like asking like, "Man, can she be the one that's like you know helping me out and making me feel better and all that stuff?" He said the question you should be asking is. Can I serve her for the rest of my life? And so when it came to like being in a relationship with Catherine um, and thinking about marriage, I was asking myself, not what can she do for me, but can I serve her? Can I serve her um, for the rest of my life? Uh, and I think that's a, that's a pretty important question. Um, there were other times where like, you know, I would be in relationships with, with these girls and I, uh, I would ask myself the question like, I wonder if she's the one. Like, I wonder if this is the woman that God, you know, wants me to marry. And uh, by the way, if you're, if you're like dating someone and the answer is no, then again, there's really no reason to like, you know, to stay with that person. So for me, it was always kind of a maybe. Uh, it was like, I mean, she's cool. Like, could be, you know. And, uh, and, and when I would ask myself this question with Catherine, it was like, could she, be, like, it was, it was within a, within a short period of time, it was like, well, yeah, I mean, she's the one. It's just a matter of when am I going to ask her to marry me? Like, it was almost a um, no. Like, this is this is true. Like, I know that I know that it's her. Um, she she was someone who far exceeded the expectations of someone that I would be in a relationship with. Uh, she was more caring than I thought um, my future spouse would be. She was funnier than I thought my future spouse would be. She um, she had a better sense of humor. She uh, she was more compassionate. She was more authentic more honest than I thought that person would be. Uh, and so, man, I just, and we talked a little bit about this last week, like keep, keep your standards high. Um, because for me, it was, it was a matter of like, she, she exceeded those. And I thought they were, they were pretty high already. And so, um, and so you should really wait for the person who, uh, who blows you away before you begin to even enter into a relationship um, with that person.
Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, how else did I know? Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I prayed a lot about it, and I um, when I prayed, I I felt a sense of peace, which may make sense to you, it may not. But if but if you're ever praying about a decision and you feel just like crazy anxious and crazy nervous and like, oh my gosh, I can't like, I don't, I don't think I can do that, then maybe, I don't know, but maybe that's God saying either no or like you should really wait. And for me, when I was praying about God, is she the one, it was like a crazy amount of peace. Like, yeah, like absolutely, absolutely she's the one. So, um, awesome. Do you have anything to add to that? How do you, how do you know that he was the one? It's me. Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, I, um, when I was in high school, I dated, um, just two guys and they were, um, they were, you know, nice guys, but, um, it was, I mean, it was just, both of them were like pretty average relationships. Like they were not spiritual leaders for me. Um, and, and I really actually just should not have dated either of them to be quite honest. Um, and so when I met Stephen, um, and, and even like before we started dating, when I like secretly had a crush on him and he didn't know, um, I, what attracted me to him very first was, um, his passion for the Lord. And he, um, he was in like a leadership role above me. He was the leader of the worship band that we were in. Um, and he would like lead the band in, um, devotions together. And, um, like he was already kind of in like a spiritual leader role for me. Um, and that like drew me to him so much. Um, but once we started dating and I really got to know like what kind of man he was and is, um, he was like light years better than the two guys I had dated in high school, like light years better. Um, so, so he is the kind of guy that, um, is worth waiting for. Um, and, and that guy is out there and, and if you wait, you will find him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I knew only because like he was so, um, so perfect for me. It was so obvious, like it was so obvious that God orchestrated our story and bringing us together. And like, it sounds like a, a cop out, but like, you know, when you know, like, unfortunately that's really true because I mean, you don't like, if you don't think, you know, then it's probably not the right one. Yeah. And if you think, you know, then it's probably the right one. That's true. Yeah. That's good. Okay. I think we have, I think we got time for one more. This will be the last one. Um, what does it look like? And this is good. Cause you were just talking about this. What does this look like uh, for the guy to be the spiritual leader of the relationship? Awesome. Um, to me, um, if the guy is a spiritual leader, it means he already has an established firm relationship with God. Like he doesn't need a girl to push him to Christ. He doesn't need his parents to push him to Christ. He's already on his own, um, consistently, passionately pursuing God. And he's simply inviting the girl to pursue God alongside him. Um, 
so for us, what that looks like is Stephen holds me accountable. He lovingly calls me out when I'm in the wrong. Um, he teaches me about God. He tells me what God is teaching him. Um, he encourages me to pursue Christ because that's what's best for our relationship. Um, if we're both tending to our own relationship with God, like I don't get to be lazy in my relationship with God just because he's a spiritual leader. Um, so part of his leadership of me is that he like lovingly prompts me to um, stay on track with the Lord. Um, basically, the guy leads the relationship. Um, he sets the tone for the relationship. So if the guy is following God, then the relationship is going to honor God. Um, and the flip side is that if a guy is not following God, um, the relationship won't honor God and it, it will likely end in hurt and damage. And, uh, and even though, um, even though I may be, uh, like leading in the relationship, uh, I still like Catherine still calls me out on my sin. Um, Catherine still holds me accountable. I think, I think part of that is that I, uh, I invite you into honesty. Like I, I, um, when I'm, when I'm spending time with the Lord and the Lord's like, Hey, you know, that thing, that's not good. Then instead of just kind of holding that in, I tell Catherine, I say, hey, uh, God said that's not good, and you've probably known about that for a while, but I want you to know that now I know, and I need your help. And um, so it doesn't mean that the guy is, like, perfect or the guy's got it all together. What it does mean is that he is chasing after God and inviting the girl into honesty. Um, also, I want to, when we talk about the guy being, like, the spiritual leader of the relationship, we have a tendency to think that, like, you know, um, Catherine and I uh, sit down together and we sing Kumbaya and have like an hour and a half devotion together. And we don't. Uh, and, and that may come as a shock to you. Like, uh, in fact, and this is going to seem like crazy and you're like, wait, you're our pastor. But there are weeks when I don't share scripture with her. Um, and that's not because I'm like, deep in sin. It's just because it's kind of the rhythm uh, of life. There are some weeks where it's like three or four times that week. I'm like, dude, I just read this and like God is like rocking me on this and I don't quite know what to do with it. And so I'm sharing that with her. Um, and so again, don't, don't get this kind of idea that like, oh my gosh, he's got to be spending like 12 hours a day with the Lord. And then when we talk, we can only talk about God. Like, I guess that's cool. That's just not us. Like, um, and so, uh, anyways, I hope that, I hope that helps clarify. Um, things a little bit. Uh, and, you know, I, I think, I think when the guy is like, I think when the guy is chasing after Jesus, then things tend to take care of themselves a little bit. Um, and so, and so Catherine really hit it on the head when she said, it's not about, you know, she, she's not having to like push me and say, Hey, remember how like you used to love God. You should do that again. Like, like she owns her relationship with God and I own, I own my relationship um, with God, and I think that's a big part um, of any relationship. Is there anything else you want to add? Awesome, awesome. Uh, before we close out, I want to I want to say one last thing. Um, it is possible for you, everyone in this room. It is possible for you to have a relationship with someone um, that is God honoring and life fulfilling. And you might think I have to say this. You might think that, well, he's got to because she's on stage or he's got to because he's the pastor. But 
uh, there is no relationship that means more to me than my relationship um, with Catherine. Um, she's incredible, and she she pushes me. Uh, she, she she shows me what it looks like to chase after Jesus. I'm encouraged by her. I'm blown away um, by who she is. Uh, I tell people this, and this may not make sense to you, but she is the biggest tangible evidence of God's grace to me. Meaning, I don't deserve her, and God gives me a lot of things I don't deserve. But she's like the the like physical thing I can like touch and say, "See, you are the thing that I that I don't deserve." So. Um, that sort of relationship is possible, but it starts today. Like the decisions you make today determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. And so if, if, if you want a relationship, um, like this, uh, and I think you do because it's kind of amazing, um, then it starts with the deci- uh, decisions that you make today. And for some of you, you uh, maybe you checked out like 20 minutes ago because you're like, sorry, bud, I'm not in that category. I've already messed up. I've already sinned. Uh, and so you're thinking that you're too far gone. And uh, to those people, I want to say you're not. You're not too far gone. But you can choose to be today. So if you want, you can choose to continue living life um, maybe the way that you're living, or you can choose and say, no, starting today, I'm going to begin chasing after God in my relationships. And if you do that, I'm telling you, it will make a difference. Because maybe one day, one day you're going to have a chance to stand up in front of people, or maybe it's just two or three people, or maybe it's your family, or who knows what it is, but you're going to tell a story. And you're going to talk about the, the previous relationships that you had. You're going to talk about decisions that you made. And my question to you is, what kind of story are you going to tell? What kind of story are you going to tell? Um, and again, it, it, it starts with relationships that you make today. So you are not too far gone. Those of you that are chasing after purity right now, keep it up. Those of you that have not, it's not too late. Please, please do this for the sake of your future marriages and the sake of your future relationships. I want to pray for you real quick. Um, God, I'm so grateful for, uh, for Catherine and uh, for the relationship that you've given us. And uh, there's, a, there's a picture that hangs on our wall, and it's a picture of Catherine and I when we were engaged, and we were so, like, happy and oblivious and just so, like, in love with each other. And uh, I, uh, I love her more today than I did then. But the incredible thing is that you love us more than I do, Catherine. In fact, you compare yourself to a husband and you say that uh, you love the church, you love us, and you actually gave yourself up for her. So I haven't given my life um, for Catherine, but you gave your life for us. And for that, we are crazy grateful. Thank you for spiritually leading us. Thank you for loving us when we don't deserve it. Thank you for setting the tone in our relationship. And I pray that you would give these students hope. And uh, for the students that are chasing after you, I pray that they would continue to chase after you with even more fervor. And they would say, I want the relationship that God has for me, and I'm starting today, and I'm continuing today, and I'm going to keep chasing after God. And for the students that believe what is a lie, 
that they are too far gone or that they've messed up too much or why even bother, I pray that you would wreck them with truth and you would look at them in love and say, no, you can start today. Whether you're 14, whether you're 18, you can start today. God, I pray that that would be uh, a message that you would give to the students that need to hear it. That because of Jesus being a husband who is greater than any husband has ever been, we have forgiveness and we have hope. So now I pray for these students that I uh, care so deeply for, that you would change their relationships and they would chase after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.